Well, welcome everyone to our second annual uh, Cry Without Else B side, or I guess we can just call this B side. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I can use Madoka's thing on Madoka's intro for the podcast on this one. Maybe we can just have that open debate later <laughs> as we go through the podcast. But uh, I'm John. I'm Jeremy. And we're not going to probably talk get too much into martial arts right now. Because next time we have to do something that isn't something you recommended to me, and you were like, this movie. And I wasn't like, what? What movie? Because last time we did this, we were talking about Remo Williams. And it was like, what movie? And these these gems that Jeremy has gleaned through his life experience that I've, I only benefit from. <laughs> You that or you get to understand the nuttiness of me, one of the two, so kind of. Well, one was you're just Larry, like, I went out and bought a DVD and it was like, or a Blu ray, and it was like, you buy movies? <laughs> you don't just find them on the internet through some possibly illicit means? Well, I'm, you know, I mean, when, when you can buy them as cheap as uh, what it costs to stream them, I mean, might as well. What the heck, you know, that way. And and I've got a little portable DVD player that's only you know yay big. I mean those. What's funny is I still use that every once in a while, so it's all good. Today, my friends, we're going to talk about a yet again a movie from 1985. <laughs> it's the same year as Remo Williams. Um, ah, great year. I guess it was a good year for. I guess it's like 1995. Uh, because 1995 was like the year Heat came out and like some other good movies. So I guess every 10 years, once we get to the five mark, so once we get to 2025, watch out because there's going to be a, a decent bit of good content coming out. Um, yeah. Wow. Actually, we're very, very close to the anniversary of this film. Or should we call um, Barry, Go- Barry Gordy's The Last Dragon? Oh man, what a great movie! <laughs> now Jeremy had like kind of goaded me with this movie for a long time. I was like, "The Last Dragon." Have you seen The Last Dragon? I'm like, what's The Last Dragon? It's The Last Dragon. And I forget it. I was like, "What's what? What movie? The Last Dragon." It's the one we got to do for for the B side, and I kept on forgetting about it. <laughs> but uh, yes, uh, we were talking about this fun 1985 movie. Um, as date of this recording, uh, it was March 14th. This actually came out March 22nd. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we're right. In, what's it? 85. It's 2021. So we're close to, I guess, the. 36 years. 36. For almost 40 years, this movie. <laughs> of this movie being out. I don't know how to kind of in, get us into it. I, though I do, I have plenty to say about it. I, you know, I, it, it, it's a movie. I just, I mean, it's a little, it's a little quirky, but I, I don't know. I've, I've loved it over the years. I mean, it's, I mean, every time I watch it, I, I laugh. I mean, it's just, it's just fun. Um, I, I think the best way to describe if somebody hadn't seen it, it's, it's kind of like the 70s seriousness of the Bruce Lee and the Black Belt Theater martial arts meets the 80s video culture and just slams it together and there you go there's your movie yeah i mean mean, that that is pretty much an accurate 
uh, appraisal of this film. And in no way, shape, or form is it done with any sort of irony or any sort of, like, fourth wall winking or you know none of the stuff you'd see if this was made today right like if you think of if if, if anyone had attempted this today they would have never they would have never taken it as seriously right as i feel like they took it in this film i guess we can kind of go through the plot points it starts off with our uh our main character leroy green or bruce leroy yeah, Bruce Leroy. Also known. It's set in New York City, 1985. Great, I guess, great, great little backdrop there. And unlike uh, other other adventures into the martial arts movies, uh, this just starts out with, with Tymok just wailing on it, wailing on a bag, wailing on a wooden dummy, and having his sensei or master, which keeps a uh, concept that just kept on getting up, getting yeah. brought up there, just shooting bows and bows, shooting arrows at him, and him just catching him left, right, and, and then center. Fly, you know, or break or breaking him in 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 the air. And Time Lock looks like he could do it. Like unlike <laughs> Ralph Macchio, unlike uh, whoever the hell was the star of Remo Williams, uh, you know, like it looks like he's a great physical pe- specimen in this. He's an actual martial artist. Who actually does a pretty good job of an act as being an actor, um, and like, I I feel this is another instance of when we talked about this when we talked about Karate Kid Two was they just kind of I feel in this instead of just finding a bunch of different like Asian stare like Asian things and just kind of parading them in a movie they just like opened the Century catalog or whatever stood for Century in 1985 and just bought everything. They thought it would be relevant. <laughs> yeah, they and, might and, have. And and, <laughs> and just threw it in the movie. <laughs> My, yeah, that's probably right. Because the, 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 he's doing kudo in the beginning, um, and that's accurate. I mean, he's wearing the right uniform and stuff for that. And yet they have like Chinese, the Wing Chun dummy in it, and they've got all this other different stuff and. I don't know what happens after the first scene, Jeremy. After that kind of a kick butt throughout the entire dojo. Uh, yeah. What happens I, after that? Well, I mean, then he he goes back into his into his life and stuff, and then you know it gets to the point where it's you you get introduced into his his so-called nemesis or his, the villain of the, of the movie, which is, um, uh, so the guy goes by the name of uh, show Nuff, Shogun of Harlem. I mean, it, 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 I mean, whenever he introduces himself, I just laugh every single time. But it's he's just, got the best villain introduction like it's just amazing that like this guy this just goofy looking guy like they give him like a football shoulder pads and dress it up as to be like Sam he's got a just these sunglasses that have like the flag of Japan on it for whatever reason 
And he's this this entourage of 1980s street toughs. Well, he he look he looks. The other thing is, he looks like Rick James with a top knot. There you, know, you go. <laughs> oh my god! And he's just walking into this. Where, where's the first scene? Where are we see him doing martial arts? No fighting on the street. No. No, I thought it was. I thought it was in the uh, theater while they're playing the. Bingo. The, while they're playing uh, Bruce Lee's Enter the Dragon, and everybody, I mean, and what's funny is the only thing that would have been better is if they would have had the backdrop of uh, uh, music of uh, Kung Fu fighting, because everybody breaks out into wanting to be Bruce Lee in the middle of this movie, and it's. Well, and what's interesting is that this probably wasn't too far away from how those theaters were at that time. Because there's there's like legends of just like New York theaters, these New York theater houses, like just being in these like grimy places where people would come and just hang out and there'd be a movie on. Yeah. Um, that might like just be kind of more apocryphal than I'm actually making it out to be. But I feel like there there's like a strong sense of truth to this. Like like there's like this is like it's not not it's not insincere. It's not like clearly like yeah, it's kind of j- jokey, but I mean like also it's like yeah, they're just beating the crap out of each other as New York in the 80s. Um um I like this uh, to contrast it to Remo Williams. Every time Remo Williams zigs in terms of like you know, talking about race or whatever, this this zags, right? Because unlike Remo Williams, where they're very much like, you know, what are you, uh, like, this kind of a guy or what? No, they're just, like, straight up, like, it's, everything is implicit about it, but it's the difference between, like, a bunch of white guys trying to put on, put put this on, and clearly this is a black exploitation film. Yeah. Made very intent, made very intently. And it's so, and it's good. It's not bad. It's not so bad. It's good. I didn't have like the anaphylactic shock I had when I watched Remo Williams. This is actually good. <laughs> anyway, so the Shogun oh. shows up. Um, Shonuff shows up with his like gang of like eight or nine guys, and for whatever reason, he knows that Leroy Green is uh, his rival. Yeah. Yeah, it's not it's, really made clear, but yeah, it's it's just it's kind of like the guy who wants to be the baddest one on the block, you know. It's like, I mean, how, how many times have you seen that? You know, every, every once in a while, you just have somebody in martial arts. It's like, I just got to prove myself that I'm I'm the biggest, the baddest, and I mean, it doesn't matter whether it's whatever arena it is you know you just have that you just have somebody like that just out there so it's just but they, he's really kind of laying it on thick um, I like how <laughs> just, just a little <laughs> I like how he's trying to dress up like Leroy, our main character is trying to dress up and be I feel this is this is something very close to reality even though it's 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 played up a little is that the kind of culture mixture or clash that this film likes to show is that you have an African-American guy training with a Japanese guy dressing up 
like probably what he thinks a Chinese peasant dresses like or a Chinese kung fu guy yeah. dresses yeah. like. Just in the hat, hat and all, walking around New York City. It's ridiculous, but it's also it's sincere, and I can't get over that. You know what I mean? Well, you know, I I think also, you know, you got your main character, and I think he's he's trained to the point where, you know, he he is taking the lessons so so sincere to be so actually humble he doesn't even look at his own skill and i think i think you see that dichotomy between the two characters you got the over i wouldn't say flamboyant but i mean just uh-huh. I, mean, I mean just ego i mean the ego is literally just pouring out of this guy and then you got the other guy who's just you know, just very, very humble, very, very, you know, ah, you know, whatever, you know, just move on. Don't. And and I think, I think in one way, I think that does kind of represent kind of the two two sides of the spectrum of paths that a lot of people take, and and everything in between. Yeah. But I mean, it's kind of you know through your martial arts journey. It's, I mean. Has there been times when I've had ego problems? Yes, haven't we all? In their problem, in their times when we've been extremely humble, yes, haven't we all? So it's just kind of, just kind of represents. Our, huh? of, have we had our 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 heralding entourage of uh, street toughs? Yeah, you betcha. <laughs> I, I I will say this. I. I I, I guess I've never been that fortunate to have that. So, it's, so it's, I've, I've never had. There's still time, track. buddy. There's still time. There's still I, time. I, I don't know. I think the probably the closest entourage I've ever had was probably about three or four of us. We'd go out and meet after training every once in a while. That was about it. So, I had a little bit of that. So I'm kind of progressing in the plot because it, this isn't just a singular man. Uh, he's actually probably, I'd say, probably early twenties. Um, maybe college educated, maybe not. Um, but he lives in he lives in with his family. <laughs> you just cut to his family. They're just a regular African American family in Harlem. You know, I like his little brother the most. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah, he's he's he he. I, I would say I'd say his little brother is a very well-informed young man that's kind of kind of about as blunt as uh arnold on different strokes you know it's kind of, i mean the only thing i mean you're you're waiting for him to say what are you talking about i mean you i mean it's just i mean he calls you out on every single thing that comes up you know, well you, you you can't get past him well what's funny is this kid is you have the, his like straight as a arrow older brother you have his two parents I love it how the dads like they have they try to make the dads like pizza restaurant thing into a thing and it actually really doesn't the only probably thing that intentionally doesn't work like as a, like a catchphrase it doesn't well, actually really seem to work. Um, well, I mean, it's, it, it's just kind of showing just a family just trying to make it through, make, you know, run their own business. I mean, that's just kind of how I always looked at it. So, well, and I like it and. and and this got us into a little conversation prior to to the recording of this, because I thought his little brother 
was like a 12 year old wearing leather pants in 1985. <laughs> and Jeremy was kind enough to shoot, to point out to me in my ignorance. And no, they are not leather pants, even though quite clearly one can mistake them for that. They are parachute pants. Now, not in the parachute pants that we were thinking of, like say MC hammer, but parachute pants that were simply popular during this time period. Right. Which, it- you know what? If you did not live during this time period and you were not growing up, I'd say middle school, high school, you may have missed this whole genre of trend absolute horrible clothing. I mean, it's just. I mean, I'm happy to not to 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 rightfully say I probably saw the wreckage of it in my household. <laughs> But and maybe and maybe was like maybe had like one or two and I was just like what what is this this is why I've always either gone hoodie hoodie button down shirt or uh, suit <laughs> no I mean I mean I, I think it was almost the precursor to cargo pants is what it really kind of was oh they had pockets God, everywhere you're right they have pockets everywhere. I mean, literally, I mean, uh, like in the cab, on the side of the thigh, and you got like three or four pockets in your butt, and that's like, Jesus Christ. my God, you're right. <laughs> I mean, it, it was almost like, it was almost like a company got like, you know, they ordered like a thousand zippers, and they got a hundred thousand zippers, because somebody added a couple of zeros, I'm like, what are we going to do with it? We're just going to put them on these clothes, and we're just going to keep putting them on. We'll figure it out. The fashion, yes. that came, fashion that came out of necessity. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, so, so we got to, so there. There's his little brother who clearly knows uh, more about uh, the hippity dippity, as it were, than his older brother. Um, and so the, when the focal points, because this movie kind of takes the people said this is like a genre whiplash. I don't think so because it doesn't feel in, in any way, shape, or form like a whiplash. Because then it goes straight, because it's clearly drawing from the time, goes straight into uh, both the, the, the love interest, the main point of the plot, more or less, and the, I guess, tertiary yet driving villain. Um, so, the, like, the main part of the plot of the movie is, uh, well, I guess we have to back up, because why, why is Leroy, Bruce Leroy Green on his journey? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, he he he's trying to figure out, you know, you know, further his training, you know. And and if you think about it, I, I think all of us kind of get into that mode, like, hey, we got to further our training, further our training. And then he gets to the point where he he's hit a certain level, or he's hit a certain knowledge base from from the person who's teaching, and so so. He tells him, you know, the, the only place you got to look, you know, and basically got to look at yourself. And he's trying to show him this. And he goes, okay, if you need something, then he gives him some some goofy belt buckle that's like all, all gold and stuff. And he goes, you know, you need to go find the map. No, I, I still think this is hilarious, but I mean, it, probably not real nice, but. He says, you need to go find the master some dumb guy, you know, and so he, some dumb boy, some, some dumb guy. And so he's going to try to find some dumb guy. And so he finds this, this 
this place that, that makes fortune is, cookies. Yes, yeah, fortune cookies by the master Sundam Goy, and it, it, it's run by you know just basically three three idiots, I guess. I guess that's the best way to put it. I mean, well, well, or, or, I, play a well I don't, I don't know if they're really idiots. I mean, they're kind of, they're just trying to make money doing a business. I mean, really. So it's, I mean, it's what's, their hook. What's hilarious is these guys, because it's kind of a flip of the stereotypes to a degree, because they're these three guys that are clearly Chinese, um, or they're standing for Chinese or possibly, yeah. um, Asian, Asian descent in New York on the street rapping and hip hop dancing <laughs> and which is exactly the period for it and then the African American guy comes up and he's like straight as an arrow speaking and like ex- like trying to overly articulate like Bruce Lee and they just laugh him off and <laughs> then I I guess we can't we we can't go by without commenting on this. Bruce Lee himself is like a f- presence in this film, like it's a and kind of a stand-in for like the influence of kung fu. To like this is what the end of kung fu the kung fu media that people would consume at that time would bring, um, yeah. and what people are just going to emulate because they don't really have any sort of guidance in their own. So he goes up to these three guys and they, they shoo him off. Uh, apparently, also, that Bruce Leroy Green has, has his own school. Yeah. And uh, where everybody, where he teaches, clearly teaches karate, because he's talking about Goju Karate. It's like a little line and it just go, goes by. He has a thing that has, that has misspelled karate on it. Yet he's dressed up like Bruce Lee. Yeah. And all of his students dress up in Wing Chun outfits. Then he has a couple costume changes where he goes from that, the Bruce Lee uniform, a ninja, and a kickbox, like several different belts and stuff like that. So. Yeah. 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 It's it's interesting. I mean, the the attitudes of his students are kind of kind of funny as well, you know, and they kind of assimilate uh, to the stuff that uh, Bruce Lee had mentioned in Enter the Dragon. And, and you kind of see that kind of play out throughout the whole movie a little bit, you know, where, where, you know, where the students like, I, I can, I can fight without knowing how to fight, you know? And I mean, you kind of, kind of these things, you know, kind of, kind of like what Bruce Lee did and, Basically, he suckered the guy into the rowboat, you know, hey, let's go over the island and, and you know, we'll go ahead and fight. And he goes, you first, and he gets him in the rowboat and just kind of pulls him on the tow, tow cable. And I was like, yeah, I guess I won, huh? Yeah, I mean, kind of in a roundabout sort of way, so. Yeah, but he's also like, what is it? And then we have the character of Laura, who is a VJ, a yeah. video jockey who has a like this is who like what what person has like this i don't know like you were there for it more than i was how much of that like was really the 
I, I know their dance clubs were big in the. I know video dance clubs were big in the eighties, um, but like, literally having a TV show and a club and showing well, I mean, videos. I mean it. It it, it kind of. It was kind of an extreme. It was kind of kind of a takeoff between, you know, classic. American Bandstand, you had um, Soul Train, and you had a couple of these others, and some of them were kind of like, you know, hey, we have, we're going to show the video of this, and we'll have dances, you know, dancing and things like that. I mean, you, you did have a little bit of that, but, you know, was it completely mainstream? No, not, I mean, it wasn't. Not real. I mean, it was like if MTV kind of did it. I mean, right. they do some things and stuff like that, but not not even to that level. But I'm, I, I do believe like there were some local area shows. Which is what I, I think it was very telling of that time. Whereas like nowadays, like nowadays that really wouldn't happen, or it would happen in, in a much different way. But right. yeah, like the like the local like lo, like a local cable station would show that. And I, it's interesting. That's I mean, it's but it, it jives well with the time exactly what they were trying to. Well, I mean, with. it was kind of like it was kind of like how. I mean, with MTV and some of the other things that were going on. I mean, people were trying to come up with the next big thing. You know, to kind of tie on to American Bandstand. I mean, American Bandstand was starting to go on the down downhill. Mm. It, it was. I know it wasn't too long after that, if I remember right. Well, I mean that American Bandstand been on for a while, but I mean, I right. think and, the 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 whole the whole concept. Ooh. American Bandstand ended in '89. Yeah, that's, yeah. I mean, it was starting to go on the downhill around that time, and I mean, people were starting to do that kind of stuff. But I mean, yeah, Did, I mean, it was, this a quote, quote unquote appeal appeal to the to the younger generation, as it were. Um, right. But I mean, it's 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 interesting to see this as in, like just an, a weird social artifact of the time. That in any all the other stuff that's like been a like a big '80s callback that everyone loves doing these days is like the one thing they just they have never I've never seen anybody touch like in terms of like these '80s callbacks and like Cobra Kai and like all this other stuff right but like or like Stranger Things even like that never touched that never once but like this is an interesting part of that but then that's interesting that like. But then you see how people who are were super into the martial arts, because I feel this even echoed into my time, was you kind of have to feel you have to remove yourself from that youth culture if you're going to be a part of that. So to even though it's comedy and all that stuff, I can see how Leroy would remove himself from that in his like grand quest. Um, yeah. yeah. We cannot we cannot ignore the fact that vanity. Also known as Catherine, Denise Catherine Matthews was the uh, love interest, right off right off of her uh, stint with Prince. Uh, 
So she's good in this. She's really good in this. Oh yeah, she she was feathered hair and all. Oh yeah. Hey man, don't don't. Hey, mullets and feathered hair, baby. I mean, I tell you what, that was all over that movie. That that was that was the best hairstyle ever. I tell you what, that that as long as you're using Aquanet pink, I mean, it's like you know, it's all good. (laughs) Well, and and so. She encounters him by just kind of giving a stare and a glance and have a meaningful moment. And then uh, she gets hijacked. And then he comes to the rescue, loses his medallion in the process. That's how they kind of remain combined. And then the uh, other villain, uh, I want to say Ackroyd. I'm going to get that wrong. Uh, What? Eddie Arcadian? Arcadian, yes. Um, <laughs> which, which the name should kind of explain everything. Which basically he's running arcades and things like that. Which video games arcades were massive in the eighties. I mean, you had like Aladdin's Castle and all that kind of stuff. I mean, that's where you went and hung out. And and he's trying to build his girlfriend or whatever as a video pop star and they it doesn't he, work yeah it don't, it don't work i mean it, it's it, it it's kind of funny because you know people were trying to do all this kind of stuff back then and i i do think it was it was interesting there was a shot in there where oh my god sure enough, where sure enough was at the pizza place and they had that they had that video thing that was it, it was like a jukebox but it was playing music videos yeah and and what what's interesting is when i went back to watch this movie again i mean not too long ago it was like i actually remember seeing not exactly like that but i do remember seeing a couple machines like that back in the 80s i mean they had like the videos and they played you know whatever was on MTV, it was it was kind of it was kind of a throwback. So, but it, they never really, it never really took off, obviously. But it wasn't until we were. I mean, I feel like there's like all, all there's a bunch of stuff like that that had just like stopped and started until we got to the internet. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think but, I mean pretty much it's all like proto versions of what well, essentially we have now. YouTube. Um, yeah. Interesting little bit of trivia. Uh, Vanity left Purple Rain and then she signed a contract with Barry, Barry Gordy. So uh, instead of Apollonia, uh, if you think of it, because I, it, I didn't, it didn't really strike my mind because this is essentially, instead of like Prince being like a huffy little like prick driving away on his motorcycle half the, half the movie, it's, it's Taima kicking ass for, for the majority of it. This is essentially Purple Rain minus like all like not to diminish Prince, but you know Prince was well, kind of a jerk, and Ty Mock seemed to like really, like really embodied a lot of what martial like martial artists could do, and a lot of these like other guys couldn't. Um, yeah. So that's why I think this deserves a little a lot more praise than it's gotten. Yeah, and then any Arcadian tries to take vanity and all that kind of stuff and. Then you got a new villain in the middle of all this, so it's kind of and well, and and so we go through the movie. They kind of develop a relationship, Leroy and and Laura. 
It's a very oddly strained relationship. He clearly is trying to ask her how... <laughs> clearly, he's trying to imply to her that he wants her to show him how some to moves. do... Some moves. Some moves. Some moves. I guess we want to try to keep this PG-13. Um, well, um, you, you know, in, in part of that... Part of that, the movie does, in a lot of ways, try to do that, despite the fact that it drops plenty of stuff that would break that. You know, you know, I think about that. You know, back in the eighties, I, I think there was, you know, when you were asking somebody out, there was that level of innocence, you know, that he was displaying trying to ask this gal out. I mean, granted, it was. It was the decade of sex, drugs, and rock and roll. I get that, but it's it's not like today. It's like you go out on the internet and uh, hey, this looks good. Okay, let's do, you know, let's go out and all that. No, no, no. I mean, there was like actual courting or yeah, I mean, flirting was, or trying to trying to it, trying to figure the other person out. And and you know what? I I think I know it goes on a little bit today and even the 90s and 2000 you know but i think the 80s was the last decade truly that you went through that kind of that level of innocence i guess i mean admittedly he's talking to the to a girl who's like very famous wealthy uh has her literally has her own nightclub slash tv show yeah you know like she, it, it's interesting that we don't get I mean they, there's the point where um, Shonun shows up and, and, and basically destroys Leroy's dad's business um, to which I say ooh is this a precursor to do the right thing but we don't see anybody like struggling you know what I mean like we don't see this like kind of like destitution or anything like that you would get in other movies so I think that's kind of maybe the optimism of the time but it's, yeah. you know, it's I mean, good. It, I mean, it, it was, you know, the 80s were the, you know, the Reagan era. And, you know, I mean, everything, everything was definitely optimistic, you know, after, during a lot of, a lot of things were optimistic during the 80s. Not to say that there weren't things that were tough or different things like that, but I, I really felt like that was, that was an era of time where I really felt like the majority of the United States was united, unlike today. <laughs> wow. We're not going to get into that, but I mean, it's <laughs> let's just, not, let's not. we're not getting into that. No. Well, and, but I mean, yeah. I mean, so, so I mean that optimism, I mean that, you know, everybody felt for the most part, pretty good. I mean, there, there was different th times and things that not everybody was great but i mean overall as a just a society i think everybody really kind of uh and that's you know your experience may vary as it were but the 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 plot kind of trudges on from that point where he you know realizes you know none of his kung fu is gonna work or he's like is the little brother like really just says like what's your kung fu worth if you're never gonna use it and he's gonna come in here and trash this place I feel like kind of the, the the plot gets a little silly when when Arcadian starts hiring like the like villain of the week guys. To oh, go. 
it was, it was, it was, I mean, it was almost straight out of uh, Blazing Saddles when they're trying. Yes, to- <laughs> yes, that's exactly the same vibe I got. That's exactly the same vibe I got from. It was like, holy shit. Okay, we're 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 gonna interview all these villains and stuff, you know. And, I mean, I, I was waiting for somebody to come up and say we don't need no stinking badges, you know, kind of like in in Blazing Saddles, you know. It's like, you exactly. know that exactly lifted from there, and I think appropriately so. Um, yeah, and, and that's fine. And and so finally, you know, it, it gets to the before it gets to the final fight, you know. He he finally gets in to talk to the so-called master Sumdum Goy, and he finds out it's a it's a computer, you know. And they're like, "We're just using this as just a just to build business and stuff." And you, you got this computer just cranking out fortunes that they're putting in these cookies. So he goes back to his instructor, and it's like, "What? You told me to go on this search, and you know." And he, he finally is trying to get him to see that it's like your only search is to find yourself at this point, you know? And, and I, I think that was, that's probably, you know, genre or that decade specific. Cause I think a lot of people were really trying to find themselves. And that's, I feel that's, that, 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 that phrase, even that kind of meant that, the finding yourself, right? I think it comes out of that that era to well, a large yeah. degree. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, look at all, all these John Hughes movies. I mean, which, which you know, since I grew up in the eighties, I'm, I'm a fan of. You know, I mean, look at you know, Sixteen Candles, Breakfast Club, Pretty in Pink. You know, anything with Molly Ringwald. You know, are you are you saying you want to do a live show in Sherman, Illinois? Hey, you know, hey. I, I, I would love to, but you know, hey, that's fine. <laughs> Want to do I mean, a live podcast in Sherman, Ferris, Illinois? Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I mean, you know, all all those movies. I mean, granted, they're not tied to martial arts, but in a way, it is about finding yourself. And I mean, that's kind of a lot of what what us knuckleheads in the eighties were trying to do and trying to figure out who we were. Well, and I feel it was it, it's a it's a sentiment that's that's gone throughout martial arts, right? Essentially, it's like you've gotten to you get to a certain point where it's like you have to define it for yourself. Um, we can't we can't not talk about the glow, and we oh. will develop the glow. <laughs> glow. And this yeah. is essentially what he's looking for the entire time. And it's and there's a throwaway line in there where it's like the glow can be used. The the, the glow is not a good or is a moral a moral thing. The glow can be used for good and evil. And what's funny is that like his like rival throughout the entire thing apparently had it the entire time. Yeah. And 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 that was what probably made him a credible like him destroying the 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 pizza shop is what makes him a credible threat. Right? Him yeah. him him beating the crap out of people is what makes him a credible threat. And that's what ma- what builds up the finale so well because he kidnaps for the third time, which is the only kind of annoying thing about the movie because it makes the repetition makes laura this repetitive repetitive thing that he's like going after it's like at what point do you not call the cops on this guy but yeah yeah exactly but um he basically turns it into like a mortal combat finale well well you could either put it that way or an enter the dragon finale i mean basically i mean you have everybody fighting everybody else yeah and consistently consistently we have direct visual reference back to all the Bruce Lee movies. Yeah. Um, 
to the point where like both is a uh i guess our poor hero has been uh so seduced by the concept of kung fu and martial these martial arts movies that uh he finds it so engaging that his first encounter with a woman has to be precipitated by watching <laughs> Chinese connection. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and to the point where she's like, I must go on, on my secret journey now. Like motivated by Kung Fu movies and Bruce Lee movies. I love her line where she's like, thanks a lot, Bruce. Bruce. Womp womp. <laughs> Yeah, the glow is supposed to represent the the natural ability of somebody just not even thinking about stuff and just letting letting your body just take over stuff. Well, okay, that's sure that's great, you know. Next to make it happen. This does this before like any other like anime or anything like that, like actually does the whole well, okay, maybe that's not true, but like did, like before like any sort of like action like anything popular like shows the the hero glowing to the point where they have superpowers or whatever right like i feel yeah. like this is like the first time you really see this happen yeah i mean this is before you know pokemon and and the power rangers and all that other stuff what i mean I think right after this, you had the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles come out, and you know, I mean, it was. I'm spe- specifically referencing Dragon Ball, but. Yeah, I think that was, that was after this, N- not long after, but I, yeah, it was. But uh, I do, en- I did enjoy the final, uh, the final fight that you know, I don't know how many dilapidated buildings are were actually in New York. No, that would, I guess post seventies, I guess there would be plenty, but uh, basically. Uh, they have a fight in the dance hall. They're leading uh, our main character. I like how all the side characters come in and start just beating the like his school actually like that mattered in the end because they all come in and like just start beating the crap out of like all of these like. Did you pause that movie and just like look in the background of like what is actually going on? Really, it's like. One guy's just on the floor, and one guy in like a Wing Chun suit is just kind of holding his fist above his head. They're yeah. not really talking. It's just like in the background, but it it's you have to kind of notice it. But it's there. I like how the the little kid is just beating the crap out of guys. Well, it, I think that's what Ernie Rios Jr. Right? Maybe. You have Glenn Elton, so the guy who plays Johnny Wu is he wasn't really any mess around. Guess I'll just mess. We'll mess around on this later, but but I I, I thought that's who that was because I I think that is who it is. But yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, all of a sudden, you know, he gets in the middle of it. You know what? However old he was, what me eight or nine or whatever, and he starts tearing him up. You know. So, pretty but, enter- yeah. and it's all pretty entertaining. Um, and like, what is it? He finally beats Shogun because he achieves the glow. He's like, who who is the master? You are the master. Because this yeah. in no way has any sort of racial coding. Um, but it's here, neither here nor there. And then 
finally he gets shot with a gun and catches it with his teeth. Teeth. And then he just like straps him to a chain, walks away, and then the police just come and in the most insightful version of fiction, this guy um not even gonna go there. Um, but anyway, the 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 ending's actually a little weird because why is everyone wearing white? And it feels like an kind of an eighties ending. Or was this yeah. the big dance party at the end and everyone was coordinated somehow coordinated? Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, it, it was one long after what was it? You know, the thriller video came out. So I mean, you know, every, everything was coordinated at that point. So, but I mean, you know, it's a good. It was a very good ending, and I think overall, of a, a very. A poorly, uh, unfortunately, overlooked entry into the martial arts genre that probably was too comedy to can be considered serious, but too—I don't know—too serious to be considered comedy. Yeah, I mean, whereas kind of where it's lost out, I think, feel in like popular appeal because it's it supposedly takes its roots from black exploitation, and then like it's it's too referencing and hokey. But no, it's it's great. It's great just as it on its own. Like yeah, Rainbow Williams doesn't stand up in the same way. It, it's a different movie. I, I I think one of the reasons I like Rainbow Williams is I'll, I'll be perfectly honest. I use a lot of those lines out of that movie whenever I'm whenever I'm you know trying to correct my kids. You know, it's like you know when they're trying to get dressed, it's like you know go up and it's like. You know, you guys need to get dressed. Uh, the seasons move faster than you two. Now, come on, let's go. You know, I mean, so I, I use those quite often. But, you know. Hey, this is parenting with Jeremy. Yeah. I, either, either my kids are going to turn out, well, they're going to turn out fantastic no matter what. It just depends on how much level of help they need after. I, but I, what I will say is uh, Cobra Kai needs to end Whatever season we're on with Cobra Kai now, it needs to end. We need a revival series of The Last <laughs> Dragon. Netflix. I don't know who you need to talk to. I don't know if you don't know if you need to talk to Spike Lee. I don't know if you need to talk to Tyler Perry. I don't know Barry who Gordy. you need. Go, go back to Barry Gordy. Is he still alive? I don't know. Well, Michael 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 Schultz was the one who was directed this, but if Barry, I mean, because this is still probably owned. No, Barry. No, Barry Gordy's still alive. He's ninety-one years old. Yeah, executive producer credit, whatever. I mean, I mean, Betty White's ninety-nine. He's still got eight years to knock this thing out. Come on, man. Ty Mock is still alive. Unfortunately, we lost Vanity, but I mean, most of the principal cast is was is still. Some of the principal cast is still there. You can get Ty Mock back into this. Ty Mock looks like he's in great shape. He's in yeah. better shape than freaking uh, what is it, Ralph Muccio or um, Zach or William Zabka? Yeah, they're they're in much better. He looks like he's in much better shape. Netflix, get on it and get get Spike <laughs> Lee involved. It's something. Maybe, maybe even bring Samuel Jackson in on this. You know, I mean, everything sure. Everything's good with Samuel Jackson. I mean, get on. William Marcy ba- Macy back. He was in yeah. this for like two minutes. Yeah, a brief cameo. 
And then he, you know what? That would work. That would make him take the Eddie Arcadian position. Yeah. Yeah. And because he was his like thug and now he like worked his way up. Yeah. And, and there's tons of ways you could do this. Oh yeah. No. Yeah. It's it definitely, I mean, it's a great movie of all time. I mean, I, I, I don't think it gets near that. I mean, some of the older martial artists, it's like, oh yeah, that's a great movie. You know, some of the younger, younger generations never even heard of it. And that's kind of sad. So. Yeah. I mean, like I, what's funny is in the kind of the mid, 2000s there was a big you know cheap dvd revival um yeah. i saw like a lot of kind of like say it's like how i saw the original like the bruce lee movies like giant's connection and, and i remember getting the double pack of those first movies very cheap very cheap like 10 bucks oh yeah like mid 2000s kind of a travesty on its own because of why are those like great movies so devalued but like something like this like is okay. just as enjoyable like and it's just as oh yeah I mean I think I got it off of uh, Amazon for like five or six bucks so I I went and bought the DVD on this so it's kind of I, I guess the last thing I'll say on this movie I do like the soundtrack it is nonstop yeah absolutely it is almost it, it embodies I think the last thing the other thing the eighties but that none of these 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 revival this revival stuff has and Karate Kid or Cobra Kai tried to do this but not very well is bring back like the score the movie like the actual scoring of it the actual like music of it because a lot of ways a lot of those 80s movies like just were like a musical to a degree yeah well not in the the, same way not everyone's like breaking out in the song they had that like large element of popular music in them fit very well well you get you gotta remember i mean mtv was what by 85 i mean mtv was I mean, it was almost like the second second biggest cable channel behind either NBC or ABC. I mean, it was it was huge. Yeah. I mean, everybody. It, I mean, if you were if you were between the ages of probably ten and eight, ten and sixteen, you were watching MTV way too much. I guarantee you that. So, me included. I'm not much here watching MTV, but yeah. I mean, I think that all just kind of came together. Now, 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 don't be knocking on some of the score on Karate Kid and Cobra Kai. I mean, I'm you know, not knocking Banana on that. Rama, I mean, with Cruel Summer, I mean, they come on. That's that's a pretty killer song. That and that and every time they go to the golf and stuff, they play the same that same song that was from the original Karate Kid, and it was like, you know, that just brings back a lot of memories. But anyway. It's okay. The Karate Tit and Kid too, and we didn't get Glory of Love at all. So I mean, they didn't get a call back for that. So, man. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, we we can leave that out. That's that's fine. That's fine. I don't know if I, they, they brought that back, but like, but my, that's my thing. My thing is like the the kind of the theme of that of just having doesn't even need to be a callback, right? Just yeah. the the fact that you have a score that will carry the movie through right yeah and unfortunately like media these days doesn't really do that yeah and it could it could do it very well you know you know i thought of something people and music people don't always work well with that yeah i I thought of something else you know they could bring this back don't 
No, I'm joking. They can bring this back as a Broadway play. Sure. They did Spider-Man the musical. Why not? I, I think it'd be, I think it'd actually be pretty decent as a musical, you know, on Broadway. Yeah. And then you just repurpose, you re, you have to rescore a little bit of like the beginning, um, make it a bit musical, make it a little like, make it a bit more lyric. Hey, you don't even need to make it all that lyrical. Essentially just keep all of the songs right from like the beginning. And like, then you have that, uh, you keep some fight choreography and then you have the ending. And like, and literally wouldn't, you wouldn't lose anything. You would like, you wouldn't be able to do like locations and stuff like that because you know, it's a Broadway play. It's a different story. That's how we're going to save Broadway, Jeremy. Hey, I'm yeah. I mean, I've been to Broadway so many times. Like, yeah, right. Whatever. So I don't, I don't, I mean, I mean, sometimes I go to the amphitheater here, but that's about it. But I mean, I think it'd be kind of, I think it'd be a big hit. I mean, look at look at Cobra Kai on Netflix. I mean, try something new. What the heck? But hopefully, Barry Gordy or somebody's out there listening to this and like, man, this sounds like a great idea. Let's do it. So yeah, we'll take we'll take a we'll take a cut and like two percent. We'll take a two percent cut just because we kind of like put the idea out there. I, I, I tell you what, I mean, if, if they did it, I tell you what, um, you know what? If I can get free tickets, hey, I'm I'm all cool with that. So hey, that'd be awesome. I just want a picture with timeout. <laughs> that works too. Or no, he can come on the podcast. There you go. Talk to his agent about it. Cool. cool. Anything else we got to say about this? No, I, I think we're good. I, it, it's just a fun movie. It's, it, yeah, it's just a fun '80s movie about martial arts, and yeah, you know, I mean, it's, it's got a little bit of '80s cheese to it, but hey, you know, everything in Everything in the '80s had cheese to it, so it's kind of cheese makes life good. Yeah, and I think, and I honestly think, feel we, I, I don't feel like this is like, oh, it's the '80s again. It's just more of like a, it, it is a, how you said it. It was that '70s sincerity and like strictness with the with that that came str- walked straight into like the video culture, and I feel we're due for something similar at some point. Like we're due for something to kind of to, to circle back, not to necessarily bring back the '80s as everyone's trying to do, but just something in the in the vein of creating something like this for this generation. But that's yet to be seen. Jeremy, thank you so much for recommending this. Uh, had you had you not even brought this up, we wouldn't be talking about it. So no, that's cool. It's all good. So. I'll, I'll try to recommend something new to, to you. You probably haven't seen next. So, well, what I next one I think we will do. We got to do it because it could be our next Saturday night thing. I got you. Okay. It could be our next. Uh, you know, it can be nice until it's time not to be nice. Yeah. But we were just on our break, and maybe we can just keep on stay on our break. But uh, oh. that'll be for a different time, folks. Thanks for listening, and. Uh, Don't forget to keep training.